I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting, with your hosts, Travis Reitzma and Derek Harrison. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hey folks, Travis here. We took a little hiatus and did some holiday soul searching and have emerged with season two of the podcast. Derek and I have been doing this for almost a year now and we think we're rounding into form. Hopefully you agree. We have some big plans and amazing guests lined up for year two, and we're really excited about it. Uh, the first episode of season two is a lot like the first episode of season one. There's no guests. It's just Derek and I talking about the podcast, what to expect in season two, and all of that. But also, we just wanted to touch base with one another and with the listeners of the podcast and give people a better sense of who we are as songwriters. It was one of the criticisms we actually had uh, of season one is that people didn't really know who we were as songwriters. And uh, so we, we're doing that right now. Um, we also wanted to talk about what we've learned in the past year with the podcast, with interviewing so many great songwriters, and uh, we even play some of our own original music live on the podcast for the first time, so stay tuned for that. Before we get to the episode, though, a word about the passing of David Bowie. I don't think it's possible to be a songwriter, at least in the Western world, without owing something of a debt to David Bowie. Whether his music was in your particular wheelhouse or not, there's no denying the legendary songwriting and performing talent that he possessed. The depth of his catalog, the longevity of his career, the innovation he both created and inspired is nearly unparalleled. He was the epitome of an artist. He excelled at the thing we all, as songwriters, try to do. And he did it for his entire life. He started out playing professionally when he was 15 years old. His parting gift to us, his brand new and final album, Black Star, is nothing short of incredible, especially given his death. If you get a chance, go find the video for, the, for one of the singles from that album, Lazarus which was released just days before he died. The man made art until the day he died, if we could all be so lucky. My favorite Bowie track is one from one of his late career albums, Heathen, which he released in 2002. The song is called Slip Away, and it was the catalyst that really got me to go back and absorb his entire catalog. It's really, really great. Rest in peace, Mr. Bowie. So without further delay, here's our season two premiere, and we'll let Derek's song Right Turns set the stage. It's from his album Dead and Gone. Took my keys from the pocket of my coat I smoked the last of my smokes and threw the box in the creek I got my story straight at all the right turns I'll be in a box in the ground before I let them find me When I pulled off, I prayed to God that I made the right turn. We can't stop here, we can't stop here, we can't stop here. We can't stop now, we can't stop now, we can't stop now.
left a girl back at the house I left a job and the name of the person I'd been I got my story straight at all the right Left the porch light on and the door open When I pulled off I prayed to God that I made the right turn We can't stop here, we can't stop here, we can't stop here We can't stop now, we can't stop now, we can't stop now Been a, it's been almost a year, right, that we've been doing this? Yeah, well, it's been more than a year since we recorded the first one. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. Was in, yeah. But we didn't release it until like early spring February, or yeah. Right? I think it was February we started. Anyway, so. Yeah. So that's fun. It's been fun. It's been fun. What have we learned? Uh, we learned that Let's... doing it every two weeks is really hard when you don't live in the same city. Yeah, it is, eh? <laughs> um, But for a while we were pretty good. It's true. And I think it's because we kind of did a bunch ahead of time. We did. Yeah. Which is what we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. We're going to, this is the launch of quote unquote season two. Are we going to number it that way? Is it season I two, think we'll just one? number it sequentially. So 15. But we'll still call it season two. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And it'll be in batches, you know. Yeah. Or what do you think? Do you disagree? I don't care. <laughs> it's really terrible. Does anybody podcast. listening at home care? <laughs> Catherine, do you care? Nope. <laughs> Catherine doesn't care. Okay, so we can do whatever we want. We can call this episode 67. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we've both been doing <laughs> a lot of music stuff lately, it feels, or over over that last year. We haven't really talked about ourselves No. in any of the time since since we, uh, except for, I guess, maybe in intros and stuff. Yeah, but even only, you know, sparingly. <clears throat> yeah, we haven't played any songs, and that's been one of the criticisms of, of the podcast is that <clears throat> people don't seem to have a a good idea of who we are as songwriters. Mm-hmm. Okay. One person has told me, a few people have told me that now actually. Yeah. So who are you as a songwriter, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> as a songwriter, I am a cancer. Uh-huh. Um, I, no, that's not useful. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think I'm fairly contemporary. Mm-hmm. I'm writing folk music, essentially, mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm not r- writing Traditional. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a traditionalist. Yeah, that's the same as me, I think. Yeah. And I've I've been uh <clears throat> over the last year or so, or well, I really the last few months I've been I've been going on a little bit of a writing kick again, mm-hmm. which I I actually credit the podcast for, partially. Um also I credit shitty things happening in my life. Mm. But uh, mm-hmm. but but that's um, always a good inspiration. It is always a great inspiration. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the podcast has actually helped me sort of really be reflexive about how to write a song. I think before I just kind of did something until it sounded good. Yeah, and kind of hoped. Yeah, whereas <laughs> now I feel like there's much more of a process behind it. Like I have a goal. And okay. I, and maybe maybe I did before too, but it was less intentional, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So how does that work? How do you, do you have the goal before you pick up the guitar? Uh, well, I've been, I've been writing an, a solo album 
and I have an idea of the type of songs I want to write. Like I have I, or at least the subject matter lyrically okay. that I want to write about. I have certain ideas of things that I, and so I've been actually executing those for the most part. There's been deviations as well, but for the most part, I've been able to sort of consciously think about it beforehand and go, okay, I'm going to write a song about this. Okay. Which is never something I did before. No. And it's not something I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder because I, I, as you know, I was into like prog rock and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I really didn't like concept albums. Mm-hmm. I always thought they were kind of lame. Yeah. And even like Joel Plaskett's uh, Ashtray Rock is, is not mm-hmm. my favorite Joel Plaskett album because I feel like a lot of the songs, and I've put some thought into this, I feel like for concept albums, a lot of the songs are written because they had to be mm-hmm. instead of because they should have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's my complaint is there's always like a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. And like that December's album, it's mm-hmm. all over the place. Like there's some great songs, but it's just so disjointed. Yeah. But and, then the, it uh, can, so it can be done well too. Uh, we were just talking about Sufjan Stevens and the Carrie and Lowell album about his parents. And I, I think that's actually really brilliant. That's true. Yeah. That's it can, it can be done well. It's just not, yeah, I think you're right. Though. I think it typically isn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are good ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Duck, uh, Duck's Out of the Moon. Yeah. Uh, is that a concept album? I don't know. Yeah, maybe they just assigned it that afterwards. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> thick as a brick, you know. Yeah, it's a concept album in that it never really stops. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to the words, it's like he's just singing like well, fucking different stuff in different parts of the yeah. song. Like none, it's not a story. Yeah, I think it's the story style of concept albums that fail mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, I need to mention that this happened. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Carrie and Lowell isn't like that. No, it's, it's not. A, it's a series of like sketches. Yeah, and my and mine, the one I'm working on is definitely not a concept album. I think I just, uh, I think maybe more the, it's it's more that I, I'm trying to be very personal okay. with it. Let's 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 hear about it. Well, I'm basically I've I've been uh, over the last well really my whole adult life and then some. I've been dealing with <clears throat> some childhood trauma that I I won't, won't get into the de- the details, but essentially I've never really dealt with that childhood trauma on a songwriting level i've mm-hmm. always avoided it there's been like songs here and there where i'll mention it uh, i wrote a song years ago called wind chimes yeah. sing with her which i think is probably the closest i've ever come to actually writing about but did didn't you tell me that you, that was subconscious like you didn't it was i, I didn't realize that. that that was what i was writing about until yeah. much later and it and you know maybe i wasn't maybe it, maybe it just conveniently fit that it lyrically. just happens to fit yeah, yeah what do you think about that like <laughs> I, that happens to me a lot as well where i look back and i'm like oh that oh okay and I thought I was writing about something else. Mm-hmm. Does that happen to you a lot as well? It does, yeah. But I think, I think that is our subconscious trying to trying to say a thing that we can't say on our own. Mm. A lot of the time, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just socialization. We're just like, like oh, well, you need to come Where up with a meaning. We decide that it's about yeah. that later. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. That maybe we're then enforcing the meaning. Yeah. Like I have the song Four Walls about the hidden homeless. I thought. Mm-hmm you know, about people who don't get counted on um, among homelessness numbers because they're sleeping on couches mm-hmm. and just crashing with people. And then I read it, or I, yeah, I read the lyrics back after I wrote them. And it's just all a metaphor for the breakup I was going through at the yeah. time, which is a much less interesting subject. Yeah. And I'm so when not you're on happy stage, about it. When you're on stage, you tell the story about how it's... No, I still tell this real story. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I, I don't mythologize myself at all. I, I've started to a little bit, yeah, just with certain songs, with certain songs that are already, because I used to write the, a lot of the older songs, a lot of the songs that I contribute to Diane Motel, for instance, are more, 
I would say I've been like on a Tom Waits kick, but mm-hmm. more like that, like I'll, not not so much telling a story about myself, but telling a story about someone else or right. like a myth, a mythological type thing. Like I, I've written songs about the devil and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so when I when it's I entered like ballad, yeah, and when I introduce those songs, I tend to like mythologize them a bit. Well, I think in a band context, that's usually a good thing, yeah. just because like you're creating a persona for the band. Um, whereas what I really respond to when it's just one person on stage is is um, nakedness. That's yeah. kind of what I look for. Mm-hmm. Have you heard Max's new song? Yes. What about his about about his son? Yeah, right? it's yeah, just yeah. it's it's so bare and mm-hmm. so like just. It's nothing's hidden, nothing's mm-hmm. disguised. He's just like, this is my, this is what my life is like. Yeah, and it's so specific. It's, yeah, it's very, it's actually a really good song. And it just feels you can kind of feel the person so well because of that. That's the one that talk, talks about working minimum wage and mm-hmm. working for a minimum wage job. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a good song. Anyway, back to your concept album. Yeah, my concept album. <laughs> but I, th- I think like for instance, I'm covering a song on it called uh, "Ragtime War" that that I do with Diamo Tal. Actually, Josh sings it my guitarist in, in Diamo Motel, but I do a version of it as well. And I'm going to put it on the album. And that's when I wrote years ago. And at the time I didn't think it meant anything, or at least at the time it just sort of seemed like, Oh, these are words that fit together. And it kind of has a loose theme of, of being with someone who's addicted to drugs. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of over the years became about someone real. Like it almost, it almost mm. like, like the song was written. It's song I wrote, I wrote it at the time I was dating someone who dealt with a lot of like, uh, cocaine and, and alcohol related issues, but I didn't at the time ascribe it to being about her. It was okay. only very recently that when I, when I read back the lyrics, I went, wow, that had to be, that had to be about her on <laughs> yeah. some level. Cause like, who else am I talking about there? You know, <laughs> I'm not talking about myself, so it's gotta be about someone. But uh, so that one's going to be on there. So I, I think the difference is like with Diamo Motel, the songs I, I tend to, to leave for them, leave for them. But mm. uh, ones I tend to write for them are more are less personal. Okay. They're more malleable within the band. I feel like anyone could sing them. Ah, yes. Whereas the ones I'm writing for this album are very much like it's very obvious they're about me. Okay. And they're about experiences or people that I know directly and that it's it's very autobiographical in that way. Mm-hmm. Of now, uh, so my band, The Old Salts, which existed before I joined it, I'm, I'm writing songs for them now. And so far, I've contributed four. And the first one was very deliberate. It was like, you know what? I think the song would suit and would sound good with the other guy singing it and stuff. Uh, and then he's like, yeah, can we also play that other song? And, I was, and my first instinct was like, it seemed... Well, there was two things. It seemed like it didn't fit the group tonally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I kind of, it was more of a me thing. Mm-hmm. The other one was kind of just like a folk song. It was like the closest thing to a traditional song. It's the one I based yeah. on the parting glass. Yeah. Um. then the next one was about my experience in Montreal. And so at first I kind of had this weird like selfishness about the song. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then as soon as James started singing it and he, having his like unique delivery on it and everything, I was just like, man. And I was just so amazed how a song could just transform so much mm-hmm. by somebody just singing it. Yeah. And that's what, hap- that's what happened with, with Ragtime War because I was really discouraged about the song for a long time. I, I knew that there was something there I liked about it, but it wasn't, um, I just, I couldn't bring it out myself. And then I was, you know, I, I told the band straight up. It's actually the day that Jordan uh, joined the band, 
And uh, I told them, I'm like, yeah, we're not playing that one anymore. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable playing it. I, I just, it's not for me. And then Jordan and I got up and went to get some food or something from the fridge. And Josh just started playing it mm-hmm. on the electric guitar and singing it. And like, I came back into the room and Caleb and Eric were both like jaw dropped. Like, wow, yeah. that that's, that's the same that's song. And that's what it should sound like in this band. So I think it's one of our stronger ones. Like we hmm. introduced like three part harmonies on it. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, but yeah, it's a totally different song than anything that I could have come up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is my song. All the chords are the same, all the lyrics are the same, but it's, it's just the way that Josh inflects it, the way he plays it on an open G guitar instead of standard tuning. And right. it just, it sounds different enough that it sounds like a totally new and much more entertaining song. And then yeah. since then I've gone and remade it and now I'm more or less happy with the way it is. Yeah. It's funny how like so many of my songs have gone through so many different versions mm-hmm. and I just feel I'm learning the more time I spend, you know, especially with this new group, because <clears throat> we just have like a really good working relationship, which I haven't always had in other mm-hmm. bands. And it's very democratic and everybody's input is like pretty good and like valuable and always. And we, we nobody's um, everybody's open to ideas. Mm-hmm. So songs that aren't working, I keep being amazed by just putting in time mm-hmm. and how it can pay off. Like instead of just being like, it's not working, fuck it. Yeah. And you just like, if there's anything at all in there, that's good. Keep um, it. Or at least give it like a chance, give mm-hmm. it a lot of time to just be redefined until mm-hmm. like something sticks. And I have, I have two songs like that on the, on the one I'm working on that uh, I like have one called city sleeper that I started to write probably two months ago and really loved this like just these two two or three lines lyrically but just had no place for them and now it's finally starting to get like i've literally been working on almost every day for two months i'll Mm. I'll pick up a guitar and i'll play it and i try to figure out some way to make it into something good because i think there is a kernel of something really good there and the old me wouldn't have done that the old me would have just said uh fuck it it's not good move on to something else and it would have just died on the cutting room floor. And maybe I would have found the lyrics two years later and been like, oh, yeah, I remember that yeah, song. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I feel like I don't want to do that now. If there is if there is a kernel of something good, I want to keep it and I want to develop it. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's put something that from this podcast I've learned, actually. To put the work in, right? Yeah. And like the fact that, it, I mean, I really like Andrew McLeod's interview because of his whole attitude of like, if you're not willing to put in work, like mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to be fun all the time. And... If you think it's supposed to be, then get you know fuck you yeah. <laughs> basically because because yeah. um, it is hard work and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem. That's how you get better at it too, yeah. right? Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. So what are you what are you working on songwriting wise? You still in your? I'm kind of in a funk. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I'm busy. And yeah. Like I'm starting to make demos of like. I made a list of songs. I came up with 28. <laughs> that you haven't recorded yet. Yeah, that aren't on the album and that aren't <laughs> old, for the old salts, for the yeah. other band either. This is a funk. I guess they're all backlogged. They're, but, exactly. They're yeah, yeah. not, not all, there's only a few that are newish. Um, but if I could come up with 28 total <laughs> in the 10 years I've been writing, I'd be surprised. So Yeah, so the idea is like, <laughs> let's take these 28, let's demo all of them. Let's get a good take of all of them um, and get those juices flowing again. Mm-hmm. I kind of get it at, First of all, get them out of my system a little bit, yeah. but also just get thinking about 
the details because like when I started demoing I've done five already and it's just like so many little details like phrasing or slight lyrical changes that happen when I'm really being critical Mm -hmm. is like me getting into back into songwriting mode a little bit and thinking Mm -hmm. how getting back in touch with how I wrote all of these songs Mm -hmm. and hopefully that will just stimulate something right and I do find that act of of recording demos just like I, I did it uh about a month ago, I was I got home from an open mic and uh, it was late, and I had these microphones that we use for the podcast. I had them set up in my in my office or my bedroom, and uh, I just plugged them in and I started playing songs and I just recorded a long you just pressed just one long and, take and yeah. just and just did as many songs as I as, as occurred to me to do whether they were covers or originals whatever, mm. and uh, ended up getting probably seven or eight pretty high quality demos out of it, of songs that I hadn't recorded before. Mm-hmm. So and and then I wrote two more songs like in the next couple yeah, days. Like, it just happened very quickly because right. it's just that it, you're getting yourself into that sort of mindset that you start to think about everything you're doing in your life. Even just walking down the street, you start to think about more in a songwriting mm-hmm. uh, in a songwriting way. So that next time you're sitting down with a guitar, you remember, oh yeah, well, that tree looked kind of cool. Like I like I just <laughs> like, you know, and then you can sort of work a lyric cool. in. And some, oftentimes for me, that's all it takes. Is if I have one line of a lyric of something that I really like, uh-huh. then it'll take off from there. That I can sort of build the song around that one that one idea. Yeah, use it as the uh, foundation mm-hmm. for whatever else happens. Mm-hmm. And how does that happen? How does developing the rest of the words? Oh, man, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but well, it's not going to sound weird. I need to have a bit of, I, I don't know if I can call it heartbreak. Maybe that is what it is. It's not yeah. always like romantic heartbreak. Right. But I feel like I have to be feeling a little bit melancholy. Otherwise, my brain just isn't working in that way. I'm not as creative. when I'm. If I'm in a really chipper, good mood, I'm not creative. You're not coming up with... No, you know. not at all. I have to be in a little bit, not totally depressed. And often, like, I can't do that either. That's not going to work. But just a little bit of anomie, like a little bit of discontentment in my life. Uh-huh. And then I'll be thinking about how I can turn that into a song. Right. Which, of course, can lead to self-sabotage if you're not yeah. careful. So. Does that bum you out, that fact that that's needed? I don't know. I don't mm. think it does. No. I think I'm okay with it. There's a little bit of heartbreak that's actually kind of nice. You know? There's that great scene in Louie. Yeah, I was actually just saying that Because I, I, I really connected with it, where yeah. the doctor tells him, like, no, this is, like, after... This is after the, the woman part. moves back yeah. to Eastern Europe or whatever, he's like, no, this is the part that it was all for. Like, yeah. this heartbreak and missing somebody and feeling totally lost is is that's the love. humanist's motion. Yeah. Like, it's it's love. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that was brilliant. That was, that, that's really funny because I, like, literally, I showed that scene to, to Catherine, a friend of mine here. Um, and, and, uh, it was the same thing. It was like, oh, damn that that's right and i think it was that was one of those things where again i went and grabbed a guitar because it was just like yeah that's that's right that's like a really good concept to mm-hmm. and that that really is how i how i write and so i think it's dangerous cause i think you can start to search out situations in your life where you you know the in, the inevitable you know end is going to be bad in some way um but maybe not i don't know well you don't have to maybe it's just about recognizing that in your normal life Instead of mm-hmm. instead of ignoring it and repressing it, using it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, why don't you do a tune, and then we'll keep talking. Okay. Cool. I will. 
All right, so sometimes sometimes you meet someone in your life that, or some, you meet someone that you, you've uh, previously never known or even heard of, and then they just leave a really strong impression on you, whether it's positive or negative. And uh, a few months back, I met this person who uh, came to me with a problem. She was recommended to talk to me from a friend, had a very similar childhood experience to what I did. And uh, we connected over that, and then... I wrote this song basically about her, more or less. Little train upper Come back for more Time ends a waste of time Of this I'm sure And hop on the last car On the 5 a.m. freight And it's just dark enough to not be afraid So long be the tales that you'll tell How powerful you be when you finally speak Little train hopper Come back to me From all of your escapades Further east And I know that you're running From the poverty line But it keeps on cutting Its way through your mind So long be the tales that you'll tell How powerful you be when your hands start to shake train upper with a death wish in hand may all of your troubles may they turn into your plans so long be the tales that shall tell Little train hopper With all your regrets And oh how I love
taste of your cigarettes I love that the chorus doesn't repeat. Yeah, that's a thing I sometimes have a problem with. <laughs> like, the instinct is to do the so long again, right? Yeah. But uh, Well, I did do the so long. I repeated that part. No, no, I mean doing it twice oh, each okay. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see I, what you mean. I love that. That was, uh, I feel like, would be giving too much. Yeah. Because you, know, yeah. you kind of want to hear it again. You do. Um, yeah. But it's good that you're, you're made to wait for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, that was one of those songs, too, that like it doesn't happen too often, but I wrote it in about 20 minutes. Oh, it's one of those? Yeah. Oh, I love those. It's <laughs> like I, I got I got the, the, the vocal melody down pretty early, and I was like, okay, I think I can just do verse-chorus. There doesn't need to be a bridge in this song. Yeah. And then uh, added that little off-note part. And uh, wrote the lyrics in about ten minutes. Man, very quick, which is unusual. Right? Yeah, for you especially. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I'm a I'm a meticulous crafter. I'll sit there and go over it and over it and over it. Do you feel good about? Do you think songs often turn out better that way? I do. I think quicker? usually the best ones I've written are ones oh, that are just like that. stream of consciousness, very quick. Yeah, um, that's kind of the dilemma I'm in now. Is like. Because, you know, the funk is the word I've been using. I've been <laughs> the funk. <laughs> the funk. The last, you know, while that I haven't been writing that much. But the other day I was in the car and I have, like, a voice recorder on my phone where I do just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was listening through and there's, I was just thinking, like, I haven't r- really been in a funk. I just haven't been finishing anything. Yeah. That was and, always my problem, too. And, like, the stuff I... A lot of the stuff I found on my phone, which most of it I had forgotten about, mm-hmm. I really liked. Mm-hmm. Like, there was good material in there. Or, I mean, I thought so. Mm-hmm. But uh, and but how do you finish something you've left dangling? Yeah. And I find that really challenging. I do, too. Because you're not in the same mindset that yeah. you were when you wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more like... It becomes more like a craftsmanship than an art at that point, where mm-hmm. you're, like... How can I just make this stand on its own two legs? Yeah. Something which the initial inspiration was there, but now it's just like, I'm just trying to build an infrastructure mm-hmm. around it, kind of, yeah, which is And it, I think we, no fun. maybe as songwriters too, we tend to, to not like that idea. that It's almost like a factory. I know, and that's what... But I don't think that it is. I, th- I think that we're... I mean, especially for the people we've had in this podcast and probably for us as well, we're skilled enough to make the craftsmanship sound like artistry. Mm. You know, if that mm. makes, if, if that makes some sense, I think we're skilled enough to do that. Okay. And it, I don't know for me, <laughs> like it's for everything. No, you're probably right. I find that, I don't know. I mean, we, I think we have a good idea of what makes a good song. Yeah. It's just easy to get discouraged mm-hmm. when you're, you know, butting heads against something. Mm-hmm. And I get lately, I've been a hard, I guess I've had a hard time putting in the work. Yeah. But I, as I just said, 10 minutes ago, like that's what you got to do. You got to put mm-hmm. in the work. It's not all, mm-hmm. doesn't come easy. And I, you know, I found with, with my funk that I've recently come out <laughs> of that I looked down and was like, wow, there's eight songs there that I didn't even realize I'd written. 
Right. It's like, you know, you go, you do an inventory, you write down the songs you've written, and it's like, oh, I haven't really been in that much of a funk. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's not as prolific as normal, but you're still trudging through. You're still through. getting stuff. Yeah. Stuff is still happening. Yeah. Just not at the rate mm-hmm. that you And who, what do you need to write 30 songs a year for? Well, I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> I just like writing 30 songs a year. Um, yeah, so... I don't know, I just wonder about life factors and stuff and living in Toronto, how that, and you said the podcast has helped you. Immensely, yeah. Um, Going back and listening to the episodes after, like when you sent yeah. me the finished copy, I, I I tend to, almost every guest we've had has made me reevaluate part of my own process mm-hmm. and maybe like try some things that they've tried or right yeah even just the mindsets like i think the rachel cardiello one was really good for that Mm -hmm. just the way that that song that she played at the end of it which is still probably my favorite performance of any of them she that song is just like oh god (laughs) what are the other other six things what are the other six things (laughs) (laughs) uh people have to go back and listen to it to get the reference but episode uh, what four four, i believe episode four um, do you have a funk? Mm-hmm. So you're probably actively trying to get out of it. I don't know. I mean, I'm doing this demo thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm playing in this band, and the band is fulfilling in a way other bands haven't been. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it. And you're not the the it's lead an outlet. You're not the lead person in that. So yeah, yeah. But some of my songs get played. Yeah. So that's kind of taking some of the energy away, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, not necessarily in an unproductive or bad way. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because it feels good. Yeah. But, like, I think f- forcing songs is the worst. Mm-hmm. So that's not what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing and I've been learning covers and I've been making demos and refining my own songs and stuff and... I'm 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 making sure all the all the muscles get worked out, and mm-hmm. then when songs happen, so uh, it, I'll be ready for them. Do you think it's Toronto at all? I don't know. You don't know because you've um, been there now. You've be been there now about a year, right? Yeah, yeah. But since we started, really, since we started the podcast, mm-hmm. and I don't think I think it's been like almost six months since that last song. Really? Yeah. Which is the uh, the places I have lost. Yeah, that you was know, six months ago. Wow. Yeah, almost. Maybe it's the city. Maybe maybe you're just like in that weird, I've been here too long to find it interesting, but not long enough to (laughs) put down roots or anything yet. Maybe. Um, Could be the fact that I haven't made a record in a while. Mm -hmm. Because I remember when I sat down to make the last record, it was the same thing. I wasn't really writing new songs because I was, I needed to get it out. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I, I, I hear this over and over again from people. It's like, oh, I went to record the record and by the time we finished half the record was different it was all new songs <laughs> it's all new songs yeah i know ron leary is doing that right now he's writing he's uh recording with andy mcgoffin and he recorded 10 songs <laughs> and then went back in and recorded another five and scrapped five of the ones he, he had on there already the first five already yeah oh, so man. and he said it was it was the same thing that when he sat down to record the record other songs just kind of came out that really fit the record yeah See, that's, that's what you need to do. <laughs> gotta get a producer. Gotta start thinking about it. All right, I'm hereby announcing that I'm on this <laughs> podcast live, although it's not live. Um, <laughs> that I'm making a record. No, I don't know. I'm getting it. It costs money. It does. 
I'm going to just do one at home. <laughs> going to get a shitty amp and yeah. just like go for the whole lo-fi thing mm-hmm. just because it's the only thing I can afford. Yeah. You know, forced lo-fi. Hey, Iron and Wine did that for years. It's still their best record. That's true. And Mountain Goats <laughs> and uh, yeah. well, a lot of people don't know that way. Mm-hmm. You want to play a song? Sure. All right. So on the subject of Toronto, this is a song about, so I lived in uh, Melbourne for a while and skipped last winter or the winter before, skipped the winter before. So when I got in and I decided to move to Toronto from Montreal, I was just kind of sleeping on my brother's couch and kind of psyching myself up for winter to happen again because I just had three summers in a row. And just kind of being in that weird middle area is where this song came from. Drink my wine, I'm ready for the winter. Overcome and overcautious, I know. The more I think, the more I think, I think too much I'm dying for the white noise of the snow Put on my winter boots And scrape the frost from my car Turn off the radio They play those damn songs so early every year And I've been feeling a long way away So I'm in for a hell of a drive And I've been meaning to tear off these clothes Till I'm down to my socks and I'm cold Sidewalk slick, there's ice along the road And if you can't come, I'm still ready to go home Your painter's hands are colder with the season And I know that I'm a dying man And at my brother's house I am sleeping on the couch I am siding with the leaves The way they come down and lie beneath my feet And I've been feeling a long way away So I'm in for a hell of a drive And I've been meaning Tear off these clothes till I'm down to my socks and I'm cold. Drink my wine, I'm ready for the winter. 
overcome and overcautious, I know. The more I think, the more I think I think too much. I'm dying for the white noise of the snow. That's a great song. That's the first time I've like really heard you play it. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it. I've seen you play it live. Times, it's yeah. always hard to hear the lyrics and the nuances when uh, when someone's playing on stage in a loud bar. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, lyrics, man. Your lyrics are always so solid. Hmm? Yeah. Very so, right? very personal yet they're relatable, which I think is the toughest thing to do in lyric writing. I think that's what's important to me in yeah. in terms of lyric writing and that's why I feel like I'm instead of a traditionalist I'm I'm very kind of contemporary mm-hmm. and I don't know. I identify as like as a Canadian songwriter, and I think I lyrically fit in with that tone mm-hmm. a little bit. A lot of nature. Um, you do talk about nature a lot. That's a very Canadian nature, thing right. to do. Yes. Yeah. That's true. It's funny how that is. Eh? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, like that's what I mean. I sometimes get hung up on the fact that all the songs are in first person, mm-hmm. and I yeah, start to be yeah, like, yeah. what's you know like. Can I can I write in uh, you know other persons or other tenses or whatever? But uh, do you need? But to? then I think, but maybe that's the reason why these songs are in first person, so that other people can imagine themselves in that situation, mm-hmm. and not because I'm just singing about me all the time. Mm-hmm. It's because of the relatability is really what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really hard. It's really hard to find that balance of trying to be specific enough so that you're being honest, mm-hmm. yet still. Still making it so that when someone listens listens to it, they can they can sort of take can, a piece of it for themselves. That's a really really difficult thing it. to do. Yeah, I think that's the that's what separates, you know, decent songwriters from really great ones. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so before we go, we're gonna do some season two stuff. <laughs> What's that gonna be? Well, we're gonna do some episodes that one of us is absent for. Yeah. Well. That's, well, I was we were thinking, you know, a lot of my favorite podcasts they they tend to have two hosts, but the two hosts aren't always on the same mm-hmm. episodes together. Uh, and you know, we live in different cities, and it's we're both broke. Yeah, <laughs> if hard. we want to have two a month, like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Occasionally, you know, it's okay to. Mm-hmm. I've already recorded one mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm. Um, just because it was kind of a last minute thing. And I, I like the idea of bringing in, you know, inviting people to come and join us, guest hosts. Yeah. Of Form, some former kind. guests, maybe. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think that that's good. I think that you'll still always hear the two of us because the intros and outros will still be mm-hmm. in the same format. In fact, maybe the person who's not on it will do both. I think that's the yeah. way it should be because you can shed light, you can shed a different perspective after you've heard the interview. Yeah, exactly. It's something I haven't thought of that you can be like, oh, you know what I thought was really interesting was mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so I I think it's I think it's going to be good. I think that that way we can keep the content going a bit more steadily, mm-hmm. and uh, it might just change the dynamics a little bit, which is not terrible. Not yeah, always the worst thing. Yeah, I mean we're not married to our format, so no, we can uh, play around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, I don't know if we've experimented with songwriting circles where we have a few yeah. a few of us in in a room and we go back and forth. Uh, we'll maybe try to do some of those in season two at some point. Yeah, it'd be good. If we can figure out the microphone situation. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Upgrade our equipment a little bit. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Cool. It was good talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast, Travis. Thanks for being on the podcast, Eric. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
too many days I wonder The pathway to your place is gone The city I love has a sickness And she can't afford to replace her lung Too many cold nights this winter A breath hangs clung to the night The woman I love called a warning She said they've got us under their thumb again They've got us under their thumb again They've got us under their thumb again But it's okay, it's okay, it's okay The thought that could all be gone And I smoke my first and last cigarette And I wonder where did we go wrong Too many warm nights to Sweat beads clung to my brow Somewhere she's whispered a warning She said they've got us under their thumb again oh, They've got us under their thumb again oh, They've got us under their thumb again Oh, they've got us under their thumb again They've got us under their thumb again Oh, they've got us under their thumb again But it's okay, it's okay, it's okay It's okay, it's okay, it's okay That was Travis's song, Neo Depression, the closing track to his second and most recent record, Outside the Factory Gates, which you can buy online. It's available on iTunes. Speaking of iTunes, if you could subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, it would be great a great help for us to expand our reach and get to more people and grow this thing. So if you're a fan, if you subscribe and review, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be back in one week with our first interview of the season. We'll see you then. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today.